I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBS iViews podcast, and we're here today to talk about how digitalization has irrevocably changed the customer experience, at least according to my guest, Stephen Ferry, Managing Director of Pay360 by Capita. What is it about digitalization that has changed the customer experience? I think there's quite a few things, Robin. I think first and foremost, the consumer has demanded change. Uh, the, the environment that we've worked in the last two years with COVID has meant an acceleration in that change. I think there's also about the, the user experience that people are trying to obviously embrace. I'll give you an example there, like the, the rise of invisible payments. Previously, the closest that you got to invisible payments would be an Uber payment, where you go in a taxi and you leave the, the taxi and you've actually paid for it because it's already got your details on one account. Obviously, Amazon Go has obviously accelerated that. And then you've got other large retail shops like uh, Tesco and that who are also doing the checkout ones where you, you walk out the store and it's already taken account of everything you've actually consumed and paid for. And I think that's the type of experience that customers want. I'm not saying that is going to be across the piece, uh, but I think as a technology provider, which is Pay360, we, we're always looking about how we can improve that customer experience and journey. And the best way to do that, in our opinion, is to really understand the customer journey and also the customer's expectations. There is a wonderful word that I've heard used about this, and it's the Amazonification of payments. <laughs> I think that's exactly what I was just describing there, is how they have been able to look at the end-to-end -end of the journey and also how to make it as simple, as frictionless, but probably from the consumer's perspective, safe and secure as well. And that is the holy grail, like what you've just described there. If, as a payment provider, if you could ever like bottle something and actually repurpose it many times again, it'd be the way that Amazon have taken the whole customer journey from you ordering it online for when it arrives to you, how you can track it, how the payment is taken. It is just a very seamless exercise. The threat of that, though, is we end up with a monopoly. And then further downstream, as you probably recognize, Robin, the customer value will be eroded and prices will go up. So there is, I, in my opinion, there should be a balance of the economy where you do have these mega players, but you also need the fintechs. You also need well-established payment services providers and obviously a range of acquirers. If it all becomes through the social media platforms or the really the, the, the large trillion billion companies, then the world is going to be in a strange place. So I, I'm, I'm of the advocate, make it a mixed economy. Well, let's talk about what you've just been touching on there. What does it mean for the landscape of the commercial sector? Because if we have consumers wanting this, and consumers wanting the Amazon-type experience, and let's be honest, Amazon have got a 20-year head start on most people trying to grapple with providing that level of seamless experience. What does it mean for the commercial sector? Well, first and foremost, it means that you've got to stay relevant. And the scale obviously dictates how relevant you will remain. But even if you're a small player or a medium-sized player, there is still a place that you can play but you just have to be more adaptable. So what I mean by being more adaptable is being very focused on where you can add value in the payments value chain. You can't be everything to everyone. 
That's one area. The second area is the use of more partners and how you integrate best of breed technologies that may be a third party proprietary software or maybe your own. And as an example, I'll use Pay360, we, we, we would not come to the market with a new buy now, pay later technology because with the, the, the world is awash with Klarna, ClearPay and all those ones. We've invested heavily and I've got a very good user experience. So we've adopted, and I'll use Klarna as an example, we went with Klarna for our buy now, pay later proposition. That's then embedded into our gateway and into our payment facilitation platform. So the customers who want that choice, which is a personal thing, they've got access to it because they are expecting to be able to access different ways to pay and different ways to make installments pay. So that's, that's a big area of change. Well, this is one thing, of course, that makes your life a little more, well, not your life necessarily, although I suppose it does for you as well, (laughs) but making life more complicated for people who provide payment solutions is the fact that it's not just about providing one payment solution. That is the, the one area that, as a managing director of a payments company, I spend time rappling with my chief product officer and saying, right, what is the priorities? What is going to make us more compelling, more differentiated in the marketplace? And that's why we, when we, we, we go for the investments to capital board, we're very clear about why it'll make a difference in our growth, how it will add more stickiness to our customers, because obviously we've got customers already, we want to retain them, and how do we retain them going forward? We'll add in more value at, at the point of, of, of consumer. The other thing that I think is very important is how do we actually use the a range of technologies that we've got and work out which ones are right for us and our customers. And that is looking at a five-year horizon. And there's lots of things that we know are coming down that will be relevant in, say, three to five years that we're investing in today. And open banking is probably the one for us where not everybody as a consumer uses open banking. In three to five years, they will be using open banking. And that's obviously another layer of technology for a mobile, another layer for e-commerce and anything else that we need to add to it. So we need to keep obviously timely and relevant, but what we are trying to do is make sure that where we put investments, it's where we believe we can be compelling and differentiated. Well, you've got a, a balancing act to carry out in the sense that, yes, you need to be able to add more value to your proposition, but do you not also have to do that without adding more cost to it. The challenge you've got with going with best of breed is you take a cost with that. And ultimately, you've got a payaway that you've got to a third party. You need to factor, is that payaway sufficient to give you that uh, differentiation? And is that cost able to be absorbed by yourself? Or do you have to pass it on to your merchant? And it is a fine balance. Um, But what we've always recognized is if you can create the value, people will pay for it. If you've got low value, the, the chances of you being successful are going to be quite limited. So it is about making sure you've got that. But invariably, we, we do produce a lot of our own software. So we, we have got our, our own IPR that we obviously protect. But we also will look for third party because we ultimately, it's about speed to market as well. And if you don't get speed to market, then you will miss the boat. And we don't want to miss the boat. And also, when you're actually in a, a very strong e-commerce market like we are, 
you need to have that whole payments ecosystem at your fingertips. And whether that's through having multiple integrations into back-end acquirers, so you've got both UK acquirers plus European and global acquirers, then you're looking at obviously alternative payment methods. We know different countries in the UK and in, in Europe require different uh, alternative payments. So it is about working with partners. I'll use an example, PPRO as an example. PPRO from an alternative payment market are a go-to integrator for us because we can integrate to them once. Yes, there's a cost to that and there's also a payaway, but ultimately it gives us access to hundreds of APMs across the globe. And that allows customers to then have confidence that we can help them scale as well. You talk about customers there, the kind of customers you're talking about there, and this was going to be my next question, is what's the difference between what we've seen in the B2C market space, which is pretty much what's dominated the headlines in this arena in the last few years, and the B2B marketplace? How is it going to be different for businesses? So B2B, I think the biggest change that's happening there is about how you embed payment architecture into an independent software's architecture. And the, the, the real rise of that has been the payment facilitators. And the way that works is obviously you embed a whole payment architecture that's embedded into somebody else's software. And the consumer, which is the business to BTC, they don't know that it's not the, the software provider's payments. They just know, I go and click on that button and I make a payment. And they actually think it's a business-to-business provider. That is probably the biggest challenge going forward. And obviously, organizations like Stripe, who have obviously led the march in that in the US and are obviously working their way across the globe, they've set a very high benchmark. And Pay360, we became a payment facilitator three years ago. We brought our own uh, Microsoft Azure platform to make it scalable and obviously uh, ubiquitous across the, the globe. And the key for us is working with large or medium-sized independent software vendors to enable them to create more value in their customer experience and also allow them to focus on what they're good at, whether that be accountancy software or education software. Let us, Pay360, focus on their payments challenge and how we meet that payments challenge and allow us to put our technology, our innovation and our credibility from being a safe and secure platform to enable them to grow. That to me is one of the biggest changes from B2C to B2B. Big, big difference about how you support, how you can help grow other software vendors. One thing that's got to be true for both both arenas is the pace of change has been massive in the last few years and it's still coming down at us at a huge rate. Do you have a clear idea of what the marketplace is going to look like in, say, five, 10 years' time? Well, for one, there'll be less players in the market. Uh, I say that quite openly. I think what we've seen at an M&A level is a lot of consolidation. And the big tech players are obviously very good at just buying the, the ones that they want to add to their value chain very easily. What you then have is the what I call the next layer of M&A activity where an organization wants to, say, grow in Europe, so they go and buy a European payments company. Rather than build and then grow organically, they just buy. And I think what we saw in 2021 was a significant amount of M&A activity. That is only going to increase. So I, I can see a, a lot of consolidation, 
There will still be fintechs. There'll always be fintechs pop up and then fall down, but and pop up. The fintechs will never get to what I believe the main unicorn stage because they'll get bought before that. People will buy them before they get big. And that's obviously the classic Facebook, the classic Amazon. You, the amount of buys that those two organizations do that are, that are not cited in the, the press like yourself is quite phenomenal because it's all done in small deals of 200 million, which wouldn't even be a dot on the, the balance sheet of Facebook or, or Amazon. Thank you very much, Stephen Ferry, Managing Director of Pay360 by Capita.